The following podcast is sponsored by the Hood College Bookstore. Most of us think of the bookstore as just a place to buy or rent books. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not the case. The Hood College Bookstore is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood branded merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweats and socks, mugs and cups. They even have Hood branded blankets. Lone shampoo or soap? They have you covered bad breath before class buy some gums or tic tacs need a pen highlighter or notebook the bookstore has tons does your roommate have a dog buy them a hood college leash or collar need some advil or tums the bookstore has your back and your tummy need a last minute birthday gift for your best friend you'll find plenty of options what I'm saying is the Hood College Bookstore has you covered for all your gift, school, snack, and clothing needs. So the next time you're in WIT, stop in, browse around, mention my name, Amy Bizzle, and the name of this podcast, Amy's A Toxinous World, and receive 10% off your purchase. Everything that is except books, but listen to the show first. Hello, guys. Welcome to Amy's A Toxinous World the one and only podcast created to educate hood college blazers such as yourself about indigenous cultures all over the globe. I am your host, Amy Bizzle, and each week I will bring you along with me to visit a new indigenous location and enlighten the desire for a new social contract where no one is left behind in the world. Whether this is your first time listening to my podcast, we're going to play another round of our famed game, Who Got It First? Now, here's how it works. Whoever answers the question first by choosing from the following multiple choice answers and tweets me immediately at atoxinus underscore S. I'll spell it out for you. It is at symbol A-U-T-O. C-H-T-H-O-N-O-U-S underscore S gets a call to be a guest on the show or receives a shout out on all my social media platforms. In today's history-saturated world, it is very essential to begin with a solid foundation in cultural works. Now let's go. How many indigenous and tribal peoples live worldwide? I'll repeat the question again. How many indigenous and tribal peoples live worldwide? Option A, 409 million. Option B, 452 million. Option C, 476 million. I'll repeat it again. Option A, 409 million. Option B, 452 million. Option C, 476 million. Good luck. Today, on Amy's Toxinous World, we have a great collaboration. And being that this is an educational platform, of course, being a hood blazer, an ex-raptor, I wanted to bring something to the attention of many, which is which is a relatable topic. And most of all, is something that my guest for today 
has been an activist for and fighting for. And um, I would like to say that today's flight is going to be not taking off. Sorry, listeners. We're going to be home here because we're going to speak about America's decentralized funding system for public education. And today with me, we have a dear peer, also a guest, someone who's very much an activist for this movement, Mr. Founder and Owner of World Linguistics, also which he has a podcast, by the way, and teaches Spanish, helps tutoring, and I would like to welcome him. Welcome today, Kyle. Thank you for coming to be with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Amy. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I couldn't be more excited to speak about this topic and educate both of our audiences about it. Um, it really is something that's super important and that a lot of people have no idea that it exists. Right. And I really think there needs to be more education about it. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. This is what we do. My flight does not discriminate. And even though it says autogenous world and we are considering a lot of also indigenous minority and so forth, right? And with that, I would like to ask you, now, when you talk about the decentralizing of the funding system, right? Could you enlighten my listeners a little bit about that without going too deep? Because once again, we're going to have a, a broad audience of both our colleagues, students, and even who knows, middle school students and so forth. What is decentralizing funding system for public education? Great question. So the American educational system uses a decentralized funding system for public schools, which means that only 9 to 10% of funding comes from the federal government, while the remaining 90% of public education is funded by state and local tax dollars. This is why there are so many funding disparities and why students in wealthier neighborhoods get mm -hmm. access to better resources, right. while students in less fortunate neighborhoods get access to uh, resources of lower quality or just don't have access to the same things. It causes funding disparities. Okay, so let's say because we're both uh, Montgomery County residents, we're fortunate to have a uh, public system that's been equal all aboard, you know. But that doesn't mean that just because we live here that someone else is not in our neighborhood or someone else is not getting access to the tax dollars now that we're older that we're paying and we're thinking these taxes are actually going back into the community now um you mentioned something about less fortunate neighborhoods or students right right me being an african-american student um even though i grew up in montgomery county mm -hmm. i could tell you um it's it's still there's still not a equilateral um educational system there because um and I don't want to go into race but I would just say this someone like me is probably looked upon that I will most likely graduate or probably have a child out of wedlock or so forth because I am not Whatever it is, you get what I'm saying? But I the do. goal is yep. 
the tax money that you you pay and I pay is to make sure that we're creating the world's future leaders, right? Absolutely. To keep the planet going. So in that essence, when you say don't have access, are you saying someone who grew up in like neighborhoods like ours, like even though they look a lot more beautiful from the outside, but still very rural, like, you know, places like Germantown, Gatesburg, and me and Belpre, Lay Hill, Longmead, that we don't have the same access as someone as Potomac. Is that where you're getting at when it comes to tutors and books? Like, as far as, like, the... The, the the tax dollars are not being allocated to the students equally. So generally, a large part of it is dependent on income taxes and mm -hmm. property taxes. And generally speaking, where the trends are is that in neighborhoods with higher income taxes, higher income, and also higher property prices, mm -hmm. those are the neighborhoods that tend to have more resources to fund education. Whereas in less fortunate neighborhoods where there are where the where the property prices are lower mm -hmm. and you know those neighborhoods tend to not be able to have as much money in public education does that make sense yeah it, it does so it, it it would only make sense that uh i don't know what high school you went to i went to kennedy high school i mean i'm sure i had some access most of my education honestly came from outside of school but shout out to kennedy high school at the end of the day, and that's my phrase, at the end of the day, I think that the the history that I've learned, for example, it's not the same history that I would be expected to know mm -hmm. as a sophomore or as a freshman. Like, it's interesting, and once again, shout out to Montgomery College and Hood College and the higher institution, even though it's a planned uh, monetary system, you know, like, I will tell you this, though. I didn't think that I would learn so much of things that I was curious about. And knowing that I could have found it in research, thanks to social media and so forth, now... It was all available to me, but my understanding was you have to go to school, you have to do this, this is your parents' taxes, this is everyone else's taxes, you have to do this. But granted, having friends like you and me, I'm sure we have friends that live in uh, unfortunate, you know, um, less resourceful neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Their thing is this, School becomes boring. We're going to be keeping it real, you know? Right. I'm a firm believer that you can't tell me who the first president is over and over and over again. Or tell me what the first couple of letters of the alphabet is or how I'm supposed to write an essay over and over again. And it's sad because coming into a higher institute, right... In the United States, you're doing work that someone who's like in India, in middle school, is doing. And I'm going to keep it real. That is the truth. Because right now, if I sat there and I had a conversation with a student that's from third world countries or other developing countries, like 
India or um, Indonesia and so forth, they value education so highly that we couldn't match. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. But they don't have the money and the resources to build institutions like we do. And of course, we have loans. So in that matter, how do you think this, you know, how do you think this whole decentralizing the funding system will eventually be put into motion? Will it be now or what is your opinion on that? I think that um, private sector Mm -hmm. um, institutions Mm -hmm. play a big part. And if you look at the decisions of the top, like the banks and the corporations mm-hmm. with certain ideologies and certain issues that they're pushing for in Congress, right. they don't want, some of those corporations don't want mm-hmm. the American educational funding system to be centralized. However, institutions and companies like mine mm-hmm. and other language education companies like Duolingo, Babel, you yeah. know, Rosetta Stone, we want American education to be centralized. We want to expand accessibility. You know what I mean? So I think it's really going to be interesting to see, like, how power kind of comes into play Mm -hmm. and whether or not, you know, I I think definitely, like, you know, the way that wealth is distributed, private sector has a ton of it. So the idea would be to put more money into the public sector, Mm -hmm. but it has to be systemic change on the federal level as well. Mm -hmm. Private sector can't do it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, ha- that, there has to be political change as well at the federal level because the federal government has to sit down and say, you know, we want to do this and mm-hmm. we want to push this these policies into action. We want mm-hmm. to enact different legislation because mm-hmm. private sector can help. Right. We can create educational resources and we can make a difference and get language education distributed into India like my company did. But mm-hmm. when it comes to systemic change i think the private sector has to be the ones in addition to the people yeah Yeah. we have to be at the forefront of the movement and saying hey government we want to see this happen Mm -hmm. and we're willing to give you resources to do it you know what i mean and i i really love that idea because and and not to mention as someone who's taking advantage of your services of world linguistic once again i want to make sure i remind my listeners I would not be where I'm at taking Spanish 203 or Spanish 397 without Kyle Mathis's help. And we're talking about on a private sector movement, someone who's saying, look, I'm going to fund this. I'm going to do this. And he's someone just like you and me. You know, someone who decided I'm going to try to do the good in this for the sake of the good to teach people who want to learn this language on their own time. They don't have to sit here and pay, what is it, um, $100 per class. We're talking 15 weeks. What is it? The, a class meets three to four times a week. You do the math. I'll give you some time. But most of all, we all end up with the loan and eventually, right? And you agree with me on this, Cal. Like, as, as students, especially the indigenous population, right? They are being left behind. Of course, last time you were here with me, we spoke about the different 
the difference between Spain Spanish and and Central American Spanish. But do you think that someone that's in eighth grade would know that? Probably not. Right. But it would take someone from a private sector like you. To, oh, absolutely. This right? is my life's work. Right. This is everything I'm doing right now is heavily, heavily, heavily focused on centralizing American education. Right. That's what my life work is all about. And we appreciate you for that. I mean, eventually, if you look at it, even though United States is a melting pot, English is not the only language that's spoken here. It's absolutely not. It's not. I there mean, are a ton of languages in metropolitan areas that are spoken. And then you have the Native American reservations in the Midwest that yeah. speak their own indigenous languages. Right. And and that's what I'm talking about, you know, and... And then you have the melting pot of people who speak Arabic and so forth. Now we have students who, like, even though our county is a great, very productive county, we get to learn Spanish for free in high school, middle school, and so forth. Absolutely. And right? I wish that more students would take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because they don't realize how important it is to be multilingual in today's world. Right. Like... Or polyglot. Right. You know? Exactly. And it will literally give you such a leg up in the job market if you choose to start your own business. Whatever endeavor you set out upon, if you learn a language that is in demand, it will give you a leg up over your competition. If somebody applies for a job mm -hmm. and you're the only bilingual candidate, you have such a higher likelihood of getting that job. Wow. That is so interesting because just coming from... Me personally, before I started working with you, I was so hesitant, even though I'm a polyglot and I speak different languages, and I've been curious, the, the one thing I didn't want to do was sit there and take it away from someone whose first language was Spanish, like jobs. I've done call center jobs. I've done customer service. We both do it at retail. retail uh, excuse me. And... In retail, you're dealing with customers. You want to be empathetic as much as possible. You know? Absolutely. And with empathy and humanity comes knowing to speak the person's language. Absolutely. And um, humanity is universal. And with that, I think whenever I spoke, if I, if I met someone while I'm in the store that I was working in, if I met someone from my culture, let's say a Somali person or someone from from the Caribbean or so forth, someone who I could understand. And they ask me about, hey, where can I find this? I'll say this, I'll say that, whatsoever. I mean, they understood me. They felt like I was not misleading them versus someone who looks like them and speaking an English language. Right. So in, in that sense, I think it's very You have important. to be able to put yourself yeah. in somebody else's shoes. Right. And understand where they're coming from so that you can better serve them. That is exactly the thing because it's like, it, 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 you know, and then there's been parts where before the minimum wage went up, we've had, and I'm sure you could piggyback on this, we've had issues where someone would say, oh, my job is hiring. It's $10 an hour or $9 an hour. But if you're bilingual 
it's 13 to 14 dollars an hour right right and some industries do that more so than others right service depends on the employer probably a lot mm-hmm. of them do it some of them don't you know what i mean and it depends on the area as well and who's hiring for that position and whether they want to pay more right but you know it does give you a leg up it's becoming more of a requirement actually it's becoming it more of it a is. standard it is because as language education becomes more um more develops more of a presence yeah in secondary schools it's it's becoming more of a requirement and people need to know languages the world needs good communicators Ah, uh, and not only that once again being humanity is universal we still need communication you know what i mean i mean you can't teach people to have an open heart Right. They have to they have to develop that through life experience, exactly. through challenges, through falling on their feet and getting back up, you know what I mean? That's something that's learned over time and with life experience. And learning a language is a great way to do that. The thing I would recommend to our learners, Amy, is mm-hmm. that um, you want to find a language that you're passionate about, right. that you're innately curious about. Because mm-hmm. not everybody has a passion for world languages, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can find your why behind learning the language what is the reason you want to learn this language why right. you know what i mean that right. you are more likely to pursue that as an end goal to fluency you you're right i mean someone like me who's uh learned german um who's watched who's self-taught in mm-hmm. hindi conversational greek russian and this is just from learning from people you know not necessarily me sitting in a class with a professor who got a phd in the language you know what i mean right because you it's one thing to learn it in a classroom and that's great it's good that you know it's becoming more common slowly glacially you know what i mean but you have to go out into the world and apply that knowledge and if you don't you're never going to be fluent in the language because the school system gives us the tools and the knowledge we need but if we don't apply it we're not going to be fluent you know what i mean right And that's, that's, and completely just going into that, right? Um, I know you mentioned something about, you know, it would also require more education and awareness about senses. Could you please give me a little bit about that? Like, what is your solution to that? What do you mean by basically... This so whatever it is to put forth or bring forward the decentralizing of the funding um, system for public education. What do you think? You said it requires education and awareness about the census. How does the census come into this? So great question, Amy. So the. Census is a population count that occurs every 10 years in the United States of every living human being in the country, regardless of citizenship status. You could be an immigrant on an F-1 student visa and you would still have to be counted. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or you could be a citizen. Doesn't matter. You still get counted. You're still, you know what I mean? So um, basically, the last one that occurred was in 2020 and the next Mm -hmm. one that will occur is in 2030. Every person that gets counted mm-hmm. in the census mm-hmm. claims for their community approximately $10,000, give or take, Ooh, for the okay. next 10 years. Okay. So every person that's not counted for mm-hmm. 
Their community loses out on $10,000. Now, where the funding would go are to things like public education, mm-hmm. railroads, highways, uh, metro stations, mm-hmm. you know, communities upgrading uh, pipes and stuff like that in their communities, mm-hmm. just for general renovation and infrastructure. Okay. So think about all the people that can get cut in 2020. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, I do want to say something about that, right? I think... I'm gonna I'm, I'm be a little difficult, like a difficult person or devil's advocate on this one, right? I know a lot of the census counters or people that are trying to get everyone counted because it's 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 a goal, it's an objective to get everyone counted. It's very important to all my audience. It is very important that you complete the census. Absolutely, because that's how you get funding. Exactly. For I education. mean, I mean if you, if not just education, if you're sitting there and you're like, "Oh my god, I I don't have any food or I can't do nothing." And the fiscal year comes around and the county or the state you're living in says, "I'm sorry, we can't help you. We don't have enough in the budget." That's where the budget comes in. This is what me and Kyle are talking about. Now, I do know this, right? In this same vicinity we are in right now, Kyle, they've been three people that came and knocked on everyone's door, right? I feel like they don't do the same when it comes to the unfortunate or the people who don't have it. I don't know if it's out of fear. Granted, I was offered $40 just to complete it. Why not do it to the homeless? Why not do it to the hungry? The homeless are accounted for too. Some of them are veterans that are disabled. You know what I mean? I do. And that's something we will talk about on a different episode when it comes to that. But other than that, we're speaking of literally in my vicinity. Of course, I live in a nice city area. People were working door to door. Offering people $40 to $20 if they completed the census with them. Who's going to say no to $40, Kyle? That's gas money. That's food. That's metro. I don't care if you're super rich. If you're a billionaire. If you're Kylie Jenner, Elon Musk, whoever you are. You're Jeff Bezos. You're not going to say no to $40, you know? Well, I hope you pay forward. But still, at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of them went to knock on the doors across the street where we have the less unfortunate. We have homeless people that are sleeping there. We have they need that money to eat. They need that the opportunity. The only thing I will say is that a lot of nonprofits and stuff, mm-hmm. okay, and again, I'm not trying to put a dig on nonprofits or anything, but not all of them hey, do dig this. all you want. You know, we're talking about the truth here. You know what I mean? I mean, we're not disrespecting anyone. Right. They don't sponsor us, you know, and we're open for sponsorships, by the way. Well, the only thing I will say is that not all nonprofits do this, but a lot of them do. Um, what they do is at the end of the tax year, mm-hmm. when they do their um, when they do their tax forms, mm-hmm. a lot of them reinvest the profits into the managers and executives and not back into the people that they're serving. Oh, got it. And they are nonprofits with social missions. Mm. Do you see the issue there? Yeah. Is that they're legally able to get away with that? 
Wow. Even though they're promoting social issues, wow. they should be reinvesting it into their mission. Right. And in a sense, the people are part of the mission, so I mm-hmm. see why there's technically like, you know, an argument there that the people are behind the mission of the nonprofit. Right. But they should be investing it in other things, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because, for example, there are some nonprofits that I know of. I don't want to call any names, uh, you know. No. But um, some of the nonprofits that I know of or that mm-hmm. I've been associated with over the recent years since mm-hmm. I've been in unfortunate situations in my life that I'm yeah. better now from, uh-huh. some of them have reinvested their profits into the managers and executives. Mm-hmm. Even though they said to everyone, you know, that they were going to um, reinvest it in other things that they needed in the facilities. Right. And they completely just lied. Wow. They lied about it and they got away with it. I mean, and, and that's that's one thing that also scares me, right? And being a, a, someone who produces music and documentaries and everything myself. Even though we try to be independent, like you are, you know, your own private independent company, you know, we're looking for honest sponsors. We're looking for honest sponsors. When I say it, I mean it from the heart or investors, because there's been parts where just from experience, like you and me experience. We've had unfortunate situations where we're asking these people for help or I'm in my story, just to put it out there, sit here, write a song, do this. Now I'm so excited. I have this mission. I go and I'm talking to these people and they're like, "Ooh, that's a great idea. I'm bringing this great idea. Right. But then they're telling me, hey, for us to cut the check. We need you to say certain things. Say certain that things. That go against your values. Or not, yeah, go against your values and morals. You know, we need we you need to... We need to fabricate things Exactly. You, the media does not tell the truth because exactly. they're in it for the money. You know, and it's sad because it's... It, and, and I see now... That's the world we live in, unfortunately. Exactly, you know unfortunately. what I mean? And that's where I think when it comes to... I don't consider, first of all, disclaimer, I don't consider anything on this podcast as a dig. We're not calling you out. If you are who you think you are, you're guilty for your own reasons, right? Because we're not calling no names out here. Am I right, Kyle? So at the end of the day, and most of my listeners know, I will send send them to their research. I would send you to do your research because once more, you're looking at people. We, we sit here and we, we're so caught up in social media, TikTok and everything. Do you really think that's still freedom? It's not freedom. If Kyle wants to sit out there and tutor to the world and do these things, of course he's going to need the resources to do good for the people that he wants to tutor to. That would come from investors that I believe align with yes. my values. Align because with your as values. Because as an organization, for profit or not, yeah. with a social mission, you want to have the right people backing you. You don't want to have the wrong people behind your mission because that leads to corruption. It does. And we are in the United States of corruption. Exactly. And, and we've been caught up in so much corruption because at the end, it's like, even though we have freedom of speech... We don't even know if this episode is going to be even to a certain point acceptable because it might get 
some people woke. Right. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? And not everybody can handle truth, unfortunately. Yes. But it, and, and then it could also be where tomorrow, right? You're sitting here and you, you know, with my following and your following, we're sitting here sharing a post tomorrow and it might not go through. Right. Right? Right. So we Instagram might censor us. I censor us, but what are you censoring us about? You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. What are you I mean, I about? mean, social media is generally supposed to be a platform for free speech as long as you don't go outside and break their community guidelines. So what is their community guidelines? I mean, I, I don't I'm not reading that. There are certain things and certain rules that are mm-hmm. not, you know, certain topics that you can't publish about, like sex, nudity, drugs, violence, guns. But we see that. A we, lot of we it. We do. But, a lot of it. But if it's anything that breaks the wall, or basically anything sensitive, mm-hmm. anything that's considered vulgar or sensitive, mm-hmm. cannot be published and will be taken down. Why, you know why, right? You and me can't publish. Like, I can't. I'm a woman. I can't come out with a song right now talking about WAP and dress like... I'm about to showcase my WAP. Right, right. You know, like sexually explicit like, content. Like I can't is not sit there and do YouTube. it. And, and even if I spend all the money out of my pocket to make the video look as good as the creators of, you know, music videos or whatever, vulgar nudity, whatever, right? It's gonna get turned down. But what they want to push out is this. Oh, you can't do it because you know why? Because every money or every like I'm going to get out of it, they're still entitled to pay me. Right. Right? Right. But they don't want to do it because guess what? They still want someone who's going to be part of the investment that's going to pay back. It's always a propaganda. It's always a back door that's open that's letting someone else in. And marketing, Mm -hmm. PR, communication, there is corruption everywhere. What if you did everything yourself? Like we do everything ourselves. Right. We're we're why, like what's our wrong own. with us? You know, why is it that you know we can't sit here and say, I wanna do this. You know what I mean? Nobody's gonna pay attention to me unless my video goes viral for something negative. I where has it gone negative? It's a sob story, mind you. Not to put it out there, every song competition or every competition show I've seen, the way they up the contest has to be a sob story. I've never seen someone come on there and say, hey, I've been great, man. I've had a happy life. You know what I mean? I do. Nobody does that. They never go along with it. I want to say it. I want to be like, hey, I was disabled before. I have MS. I have to do this and that. I was... You know, without a home one day. I would do, but look at me now. I'm going to hood. I'm doing this. And then, you know, I want to say the happy things. Those are the good things. No, they want you to be like, even if you come from freaking Beverly Hills, they want you to be like, my name is so-and-so. And, you know, at the age of nine, I was riding a bike and I fell and I broke my toe. Right. And there are so many people out there who feed off of other people's negativity it's a way of life for them and 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 with social justice it's like they don't want to hear that the negative is creating so much you know chaos for 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 
the earth, the we're talking the soil, the planet. Everything is like a domino effect, guys. You don't understand. Everything is like a domino. People effect. in power create our reality. Exactly. They are responsible for the major decisions that it. push businesses and organizations forward. Yeah. And those decisions impact all of us. No, but it's a basic communication principle. I think what it is is that I think especially in the United States of America where we live and I love my country, it has to do with the fact that even each one of us has this sort of sense of we need a hierarchy scale. We can't do with no higher there's no equality. You know what I mean? It's like I feel personally that I'm not good enough for myself if I wasn't good enough for myself. But for other for other people, it's like they can't be good enough for themselves unless they're bossing someone around or if the hierarchy scale, if they're on that type of the scale, if if you know what I mean, if they're on top of the mountain and they're looking down on someone. And that's something that kills me. But they don't know that the reason why we're going through global climate, eventually scarcity of food and water and everything and everything that's occurring around us, you know, including some of the crimes and I don't condone crimes. I think it all comes around that we're not spreading love, you know, and with love I think comes so. I think there needs to be, I think there needs to be more empathy and understanding exactly. about other people. And uh, a better sense of under trying to understand where other people and other cultures and other people of other backgrounds are coming from, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because the world does not try to understand each other enough. There's just so no. much pride and egocentrism, and Ooh, yes. there's just Ooh, so much yes. of that going around. And I mean, you know, I'm not trying to sound judgmental, but it's just that's just the reality. Yeah. Everyone is stuck in their own narcissistic bubble and just doesn't want to understand other human beings. Well, if you sound judgmental by you stating a fact, then what about the people that look down on people? They're super judgmental. You see what I'm saying? So I I don't want to hold you up, Kyle. This was a great conversation. You know, we took it up a notch. Um, Once again, audience, I want to tell you, this man, y'all just heard him, has so much to say. But with empathy and humanity and the universal language comes being able to understand each other. And with that, let's learn some languages. Starting off with communicating with Kyle Mathis, who is the owner and founder of World Linguistics. He is a Spanish tutor. Great prizes, of course. And I know finals are around the corner. So whoever wants to get their last minute... You know, just go on, sign up. And when I say he's available, I mean he's available. I'm not saying wait till the next day to go into our success center to sign up. It's more of uh, everything. But I'll let him take I'm online, and it's virtually accessible 24-7. Well, drop your links for us again, Kyle. So um, you can get your first two sessions free, Spanish tutoring and or conversational practice. You can mix up the two. And you can do uh, your first two sessions free if you go to world-linguistics.com forward slash contacts, enter your name, email, and phone number in the boxes and the form, and then I will follow up with you to schedule a 15-minute consultation call, figure out where you're at, um, and learn more about you and your needs, and then we'll go from there, and we'll meet on Zoom. 
Um, or you can text me at 301-660-4735. Also, if you'd like to view um, free educational videos to kind of get a taste of who I am and what I have to offer, you can visit youtube.com forward slash worldlinguistics.tv. Have a bunch of free education on there as well. Over 160 educational videos that you can watch for free. 24-7 on YouTube. Oh, and uh, just, I've watched majority of them. And when I say they helped me, I mean they helped me. I went from just saying hola, como estas, to speaking really conversational. I am in Spanish 203, like I said, Spanish 397. So, um, another thing I do want to ask you, because I know um, a lot of students do have an issue like you said they could text you and you can see where they at are you available also over social media to to yes oh, yes great. I, you can you can so if you want to message me on whatsapp on my business line 301-660-4735 you can text me uh 24 7 with homework questions if you're signed up for the service if you'd also like to DM me for more info about my service, you can text me on that number, or you can hit up me up on my Instagram at instagram.com forward slash world linguistics. Um, I'm on multiple channels. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, search for world linguistics on there, and you'll be able to DM me on there as well. You'll also get, as a part of the service, you'll also get access to 24-7 chat support to help you answer any question on demand as well. So. Wow. Isn't this amazing? Like, I mean, wow. And all I'm saying is that please, to all my listeners, take advantage of this. And for anyone, anyone who contacts Kyle and mentions that they heard this episode podcast, we'll give you an extra free session, possibly, even maybe, future you. On an episode. What do you think, Kyle? I think that's a great idea. Okay, so we'll be taking names. You could definitely contact me at Atoxinus underscore S Twitter. Or you could contact me directly on my Apple podcast, which is Amy's Atoxinus World. Please like, subscribe, whatever you do. And I will be dropping my information there, definitely. Don't forget, this is a great opportunity. When I say you have an opportunity to come, age is no limit. You could be, this is an ageless offer. If you are my mom's age, my grandma's age, and you want to learn Spanish today, please, you're more than welcome. We want to hear your story. I want to hear your story. Como se dice? We're going to go into Spanish a little bit to my listeners. Como se dice? Y like everything we just said in Espanol. Welcoming them to an episode. Let's give them a taste of saying, if you hear this podcast episode and you name Amy's Atoxinous World, not only do you get a free tutoring session, but you get to also be a guest. Thank you everyone for joining us today, me and Cal, um, for our in-depth conversation about education. Uh, definitely 
Stay tuned for more interesting episodes. I will recommend you go ahead, go to my Twitter, Autoctionist underscore S, or, and make sure you give me your feedback, share, uh, retweet, um, and stay tuned for more interesting topics on Amy's Autoctionist world. Thank you. Have a good one.